to another episode of the Cultivate and Keep podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Jeremy. And I think one day I will do the intro. One day. You know what? I should have just let... You're taking the... the uh, I just yeah, I just roll with it, dude. I just take the initiative. You, you, you know do have mean? the better podcast voice, so... I don't know. We both sound pretty crispy. I mean, I don't know. You you, you sound better for sure. Okay. I'll, I'll just take it. I, I have a big heart, like I've said before. So. That's true. A big heart makes yeah. up for everything. It's true. No matter what. Um, cool. Well, we have a, uh, an episode we're going to do, um, a book review on wild at heart. And so, uh, we're just going to share our notes and sort of the things that we learned, things we took away from it. Um, I think this will be valuable for you, whether or not you've read the book. Um, if you haven't read the book, this will probably encourage you to read the book, which you absolutely should. Um, what are you saying? Jeremy's giving me <laughs> random gang, gang symbols at I'm me. <laughs> I'm giving him like signs. That's funny. I'll do point number two. You do one. Mm. Okay. Okay. okay, we, didn't, okay. we didn't really plan ahead who's doing what. We just kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just roll forward. with it. Okay, wait. So I'm one, you're two? Yeah, because, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, I like and it. And then three, I don't know. Up for, up for grabs. We'll see. All right. All right. Maybe we'll just see who takes the initiative. That's funny. Um. Cool. Okay. So if you don't know, uh, Wild at Heart is from, uh, written by John Eldridge. A uh, little backstory on how I was introduced to it. Um, I heard of it. I think my parents even had a copy in our house. I'd always seen it. Um, I tried to read it in high school. Uh, never got around to it. Just sort of wasn't that into it. I think I read like the first couple pages and just kind of like me, not that cool. Um, and then, uh, and then I was advised by my uncle to read it before I got married. Um, so I just got married, uh, in February of 2018 and so it was like December and he was like, oh, you should definitely read this book. He had just went to like, I think they have like, he hosts like a conference even, mm-hmm. which we should look into that. But um, he went to this conference out in Colorado and he had read the book again, for like, I think for like the second time. He's like, you have to read this book before you get married. Um, I didn't end up reading the book before we got married. But um, I think in this whole, uh, you know, this sort of like identity crisis where I was, you know, I just, just gotten married. Uh, the Lord is really kind of pressing on my heart of like, what does it mean to be a man and sort of identity and finding your calling and everything where I was like, Oh yeah, I should pick up wild at heart again. So I picked it up and then I read through it in like a week or Mm -hmm. something. And I just plowed through it. And then I was like, Jeremy, you have to read this book. Uh, And then he read it and he wasn't that impressed at first, but then he was later. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, it was um, the first like probably hundred pages, the first two or three chapters I had a hard time like getting into. Yeah. Um, but same as you, I was advised by so many people to read it. And like everyone said like, dude, you have to read this book. It's so good. Like blah, blah, blah. And, um, so after the, I think I read it in like two weeks, week and a half, yeah. but the first like day or two, I read the first probably hundred pages and it was like, eh. and then like hit a certain chapter and boom, like it's was so good. Like, yeah, you hit certain yeah. parts. And that's, I think that's the yeah. cool part about the book is that, um, there are certain sections that will speak to you much more than others. Like for me, I, th- I think we both had like a, um, you know, there's different parts that speak to different people just based on your own experience and what you're looking to get, to get out of it and mm-hmm. what the Lord speaks, you know, through it to you. Um, so anyways, I'll, I'll kind of kick us off with just kind of talking about um, the beginning of the book and, and sort of the whole premise of the book is that uh, John Eldridge talks about uh the nature of man and he goes all the way back to the beginning um of describing you know god making uh man and woman but specifically man um who god first made and then you know woman was made from man so he talks about the nature of man 
and the sort of first desires that God gives in their heart, how God designed man and the way that man was supposed to be and to act and to live. Um, and so uh, it's sort of split into these three sections. Um, the first is kind of introducing the nature of man and, and kind of the biblical roots of man. And then the second, he talks about um, all the struggles of manhood and sort of the idea of like the imposter syndrome and being a poser and, and all the wounds that a man kind of in, uh, gets, you know, in, in his life. And then the, the third section is getting back to the roots of what it means to be a man mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a very godly perspective. But that first part, um, you know, he, he establishes the fact that every aspect of a man from his desires to who he is reflects God. Um, going back to, you know, when it says God made man in his image, he didn't mean in the physical sense. He meant in a spiritual sense, in the characteristics, in his nature, in the way that he is and thinks and loves and just everything that, that he does. Um, so he bases all this belief on uh, Genesis 1, 26 to 28, where God creates mankind from his image as male and female. And then he talks about the d- different uh nuances of man between uh you know male and female um and then he talks about uh you know he just kind of establishes that the reason a man has the desires that he does and the reason why he is masculine is because he is ultimately an image bearer of god and so mm-hmm. um and those i think that was one of the main things that struck out to me was like it's not just that men and women are different in their personalities or in their physical traits but it's literally in the way that we reflect God is different. Like we're not just, I don't know, different sets of Legos that are just kind of arbitrarily different, but we are different by design in the way that we reflect God. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, you know, men reflect God uniquely in in this way. They demonstrate God's ability to come through for his people. Um, and in the same way men are made to come through. Uh, and so, uh, you know, he kind of talks about like the, every man's desire, I think the famous line is every man wants a uh, a battle to fight, a beauty to a rescue. I'm getting him out you of skipped order. One, yeah. I skipped one. Yeah. Let me look down to the quotes. I think it's um I think I, d- I don't think I put it in there cuz I thought maybe I would no, know I it. No, s- I saw it. Hold on. It was somewhere. Every every hold on. Oh, I think it's an adventure to live a beauty to rescue and a battle to fight. Hmm. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So he, he kind of sets that up in this premise and then, and then go ahead. You can talk about the second part. Yeah. Of it. So, um, the point two, he talks about, um, men acting as posers and, um, talks mainly that that comes from, um, past hurt in our life that needs healing. And this was the part that like, I love that really spoke to me. Yeah. Um, and you know, one thing he talks about, you know, men that, um, live and act as posers that typically translates um, into two like different forms of, of a man either you know a a man that's angry um, or b a man that's passive and mm. um, like when I read that I was thinking about it and this was the part of the book that really spoke to me like I said and that kind of made me like get excited about it and um, I felt like this was obvious like yes we know that you know that I think in general like men tend to be angry or passive like that's a normal yeah. thing um, but the way he like sets it up and talks about it, just, I don't know. It, it was so clear and yeah. And if I can interject, I think like you're right. It, it seems obvious, mm-hmm. 
but it's not in the sense that you know that it's a, a biblical fact. Mm-hmm. So for me, I didn't recognize, I so I, I'm definitely not like, I wasn't the angry man. I was definitely the passive yeah, man. Part for me, yeah. And we just recorded an episode where I, we talked about our testimonies and I was talking about how um, sort of the, the struggle that I had was a lot of um, sort of like, I don't know, you can call it self-esteem or confidence or identity. And I was always really shy. And uh, I think it was part of like just that th- being passive. Um, and so recognizing that like, oh, this is a, a normal thing. I don't know. It was, it was kind of revelational for me. So go ahead. Yeah. And so he talks about um, how, you know, it, this shows itself by men being either angry or passive. And, you know, he says that this is rooted in, you know, deep hurts in our, in our life. And it comes from just, you know, whether we were younger or, you know, recently in our lives, you know, every man is carrying around some form of a hurt. That's yeah. kind of his whole premise. And, he, you know, he talks about um, basically that our world is made up of a lot of like big, bo- big, what does he say? Like big kids, kind of what he big says. Big boys. Yeah, big boys. Yeah. Like, we're grown up. He said, grow, he, he said, you have, you have little, what do you say? You have, you have big boys that drive tractors and that, mm-hmm. you know, work in offices, whatever he says. Right. And so his idea is that we're all really boys and, and doing man stuff and we're not really fully men. We're not, we have not fully come alive. We're not, we're not doing what we were fully made to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, like that was the part that really stuck to me. And he says, you know, the answer to the her, the answer if, you know, to these questions we all have, um, is obviously found in Jesus and, you know, the book, he walks you through like a process and the journey of fi- finding healing and, and restoration, um, that only God can give us. And it, this was kind of the meat of the book, but I, I love that part. Yeah. Why? I mean, why don't we just jump into kind of that section? And I think that, like you said, that's the part that stood out to you the most. Yeah. Do you want to just elaborate on what stood out to you and how it relates back to your life? Yeah. I'll, I'll kind of start on my points that I wanted to share. Um, so, um, yeah, so one of the quotes that I wrote down says, Every man carries a wound. Um, I have never met a man with that one. No matter how good your life may have seemed to you, you live in a broken world full of broken people. And, I mean, I think that is so true. And, again, like I said, I think it's an obvious, like, statement. Um, but the way he sets it up is just so, like, it, it was compelling to me. And not only that, but I could relate. And it helped me to understand, like, hmm, like, this is me. Like, this is not just people that I know. Like, I am hurt. I am broken. I do have just hurt in my life that I have carried and it needs to be um, dealt with. And so, you know, this was kind of the, the first chapter that really caught my attention. And, um, you know, so there's a part where he talks about four steps to healing, um, like a, a, you know, a hurt and like damaged heart. And this was the chapter that had me sitting on my couch. Mm-hmm. I think I shared in a previous yeah. episode, sitting on my couch, just bawling like a little boy, like reading this. And so, um, you know, he, he really helps you to kind of unveil and recognize like where in your heart are you hurt and where did that stem from? And so for me, as I was reading that chapter, I was just thinking through my life, thinking through, you know, um, just hurt that I have. And I shared in um, our testimony episode about, um, you know, in sixth grade, you know, living, um, like with fear and anxiety, having a big stronghold in my life. And a big reason why that came in was because in fifth grade, there were some things that my dad had done, nothing like crazy. And I have a great dad. I don't think he was intentional, but a few things he had said to me and had done put me in certain positions that I think uh, welcomed in like a spirit of fear in my life. Yeah. And, um, it was, you know, as I read that chapter, I kind of realized, Oh wow. Like, you know, I also shared like, uh, that, you know, recently fear, you know, has been an anxiety has kind of crept back in my life. You know, it's come in waves the last couple of years. 
and I've I've realized it's because of this stronghold that was um, set set in place when I was in fifth fifth and sixth grade for my dad, and yeah. so it was a cool moment of like, wow, like th- this I have a, a part to uh, demolish this stronghold, and I I can do things to overcome this, and it's not just who I am, and so identifying the hurt, knowing where it stems from, um, was huge for me, and um, so I did that by following the four steps that he has in his book, and so. Uh, the four steps, uh, the first one is surrender. Uh, the second one is grieve. And point two was the one that had me just wrecked. I was crying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, point three was let God love you. And number four was f- uh, forgive. And so um, I've read books in the past that have steps like this, where it's like, do these four steps to find freedom or to whatever. And I, I always find them cheesy and I never like think it's helpful well there's a lot of like self-help books yeah. that are like that, that are not those, biblical but i mean just in general or you, but you i know, think that we have a distaste for it because yeah. there's that relation where most people think like you know you kind of have like the tony robbins of the world where it's just like just yell and you know like literally yell it away and you're like okay like, that was cool but this doesn't really help it's not on a spiritual level so maybe there was some of that like association yeah. where it's like do i really need to grieve like do i really need to let it yeah. out so what I so what I and again like for me this stuff was back when I was in fifth grade but I think why it was so real this time because I connect I connected the two I realized okay the a big reason why I'm feeling anxiety and fear and just hesitation in my life today as a 23 year old man is because her that I let in from a, a little boy that I've never really mm. dealt with because I've always just kind of thought oh it wasn't a big deal like my dad didn't mean to hurt me that's all I've thought and even though I thought that there still was hurt. And yeah. maybe it wasn't intentional, but I still had something in my heart. Um, and another thing was I kind of played it off like, oh, it is not a big deal. Like I had a great childhood. Many people have it harder than me, which is true. But doesn't matter. I also learned like doesn't matter the like extent of what it was. Like it was. It's my life, and there's hurt. And I think every person mm-hmm. has their life, and they have their own hurt. No matter how big or small it may sound, like we all have our own stories and our own situations that we have to work through. And so for me it could be considered like a small deal, but it still affected me. And so when I connected the two, I followed the steps. And so I simply like, you know, like surrendered it to God and just really worked through it in my heart and kind of realized, okay, like Lord, like, you know, this happened to me and I let go of it and I release it to you. And I was able to have a, you know, a few minutes of just like feeling the pain, I think, and just grieving and like letting those thoughts in. And then like, I just genuinely like tried to allow God to love me and to speak to me. And then in my heart, I forgave my dad. And simple as that. And it sound, again, it sounds like cheesy, but I did it. And it was like, boom, like really, really, yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, I have more points I want to share that I liked from the book. But if you want to jump in. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the wounds part was definitely uh, a revelation for me as well, because I mean, I mean a similar thing. I, I think it's not a coincidence that we both found the same part to be compelling and we both have things to share on it. I think that probably most men do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, th- I think we're lucky that our fathers weren't abusive. They were both Christians. They were both good fathers in a lot of ways. Right. But even the fact that there still are some wounds and that still does affect us into our life is a huge tell because think about all the men out there who didn't have a father mm-hmm. or whose father left them when they were 12 or whose father was abusive or whose father was an alcoholic. Like that leaves some really big open wounds. You know what I mean? And so I'm, I'm just pointing that out because, uh, while I'm not downplaying our own, it's like, 
wow, like this is a real thing. So like pay attention. You know what Which, I mean? And again, it's another reason why we wanted to start Cultivate and Keep. Is yeah, just exactly. Understanding, you know, and we've said this before, but we both, you know, come from, you know, good families. And if, if we still have work to do and still have things like that are broken in us, what about those that don't come from the family that we come from? You know, yeah. it's, it's got to be the same, if not more intense. And so, yeah. 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 So that part really stood out to me. I was reading it as well. And as I was reading, the Lord was revealing to me some things that, um, some things that I hadn't dealt with and some things that I had dealt with, but he was just revealing to me that, you know, like kind of just connecting the dots for me. And so I'll just share a couple of mine because again, they're not like the worst things in the world. And I just want to say like, I love my dad. I have forgiven him from all those things. He wasn't bad. Um, so dad, if you're listening, you know, same dad, I love you so much. Yeah. Love you. Not a big deal. Like God is good. We're fine. Yeah. We're fine. (laughs) We're men. We can deal with it. No, but, um, he was revealing to me, uh, some things I hadn't thought about for a long time. Like for example, I mean, and it sounds silly, but I, uh, was all my, (laughs) no, not that, um, all of my life, my, my siblings, on my dad's side were really good at sports. So all my life I've sort of felt like I really need to be into sports and I really need to get really good at sports. And I never actually got into sports until I was in seventh grade when I played um, football for the first time. And I hated that. I was absolutely trash. I was the worst. But um, I could see that. Yeah. But I, but I always wanted to play sports with my dad. And I always wanted to play football with my dad because we both liked football and he was a high school football star. Um, but for some reason it was either like his elbow or because of time, but we never played together and I really stunk. And, um, I always remember like feeling hurt about that. Like, uh, you know, everyone else's dad plays with their son. They play football or they play catch or baseball or, you know, they take them to their games they play together or train together. Um, so I remember I even, and this is even dumber, but I, I bought Madden NFL, the video game for the specific reason that my dad and I could play video games together and we could virtually play sports together. Um, and I remember I was sitting there, I was like, Oh dad, like that, that game looks sick, huh? And he was like, Oh yeah, that looks cool. And I was like, Oh awesome. I'm going to buy it. And like, we're going to play together. And then I bought it. And then he was like, Oh no, I don't like, I don't want to play video games. And I was just so crushed. Like, you're kidding me. Like, Oh my gosh, what the heck? Um, you know, and then some other things like, and I'm realizing a lot of these have to do with sports, which I'm not really sure why, but um, neither of my parents really went to a lot of my sports games. Like when I played basketball, my dad came to a couple. When I played football, he went to a lot until he had uh, like a sciatica nerve pinch and he was like um, he was like in bed for like months and he missed like the rest of my season. Uh, but I didn't come to any of my volleyball games and you know, that, that just kind of hurts a little bit. Cause you see other, again, other kids, dads in the stands and they all know each other and they're talking and like, you want, you want your dad to see you like when you do good or when you spike the ball, or when you make a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, another thing was we never, we didn't go on many like vacations or trips together, which kind of stunk too. And, and again, a, a lot of this was also in comparison to other families. And I realized I didn't have a bad life or a hard life, but again, that was just what the Lord was revealing to me of what those wounds were. Um, and, and a part of that, like you said, uh, men either become angry or pacified. So I think I became very pacified from, from those things, but also a myriad of other things. Um, you know, but, but he talks about, he has this quote, he says, for after years of living in a cage, a lion no longer even believes it is a lion. 
and a man no longer believes he is a man. So you have this identity crisis where you forget, you know, what it's like to to live or to be free or to not have those wounds or insecurities. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, I relate to that because I felt like I was just kind of like subdued. Like I felt like I was, I wasn't, I wanted to be someone else. I couldn't be who I wanted. Um, I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do. And so it made me pacified in, in a lot of ways. Um, but I think my, my next points are relating to, to women. So I'll let you jump back hey, to, me too. to your part. Yeah. Um, that's funny. So I have one more before that I'll share. So, yeah. um, he, so the whole book was full, I think of random just gems. Like he, yeah, yeah. once I got into it, I was like, wow, he, there's a lot of good stuff in this. Um, but one thing he talked about was as men, kind of how we uh, grown up as boys, how we, um, we're always told no. And if he's like, he mm. had a point, he said, if you observe parents with little kids, just yeah. watch how much they tell their kids. No, like don't do that. Don't touch that. You know, sit down, whatever it is. Right. Specifically with boys, like pay attention to how reckless boys can be mm. and how much parents try to keep the boys from being reckless. And he talks about that and, and kind of talks about it's good for a boy to be reckless. like And not in a stupid way, but he's kind of saying it's good for a boy to, you know, touch that thing and get his finger pinched or to run and follow whatever he says. Like it's good for a boy to Jump explore, off the slide. have adventure yeah. and to Scrape learn. And I was thinking about that, like, man, like, I'm not a dad. I don't have a kid, but... Like that is, it's so true. And then I was thinking about the high school small group that I lead and how often do we, are we telling the boys like no? And these kids are freshmen in high school, but how often are we telling them no and or what they can and can't do? And it just kind of got me thinking like it is good for boys to learn by trial and error. Like not, mm. not in a bad way, I get what I'm saying, but. That there are boundaries. Yeah, in context and then, you know, to some extent what they can do, but that really like stuck out to me. I thought that was like really good. I want to share. Yeah. I think there's definitely a strong correlation there. Like if your parents said no a lot or didn't let you do the mm-hmm. things, you were probably more rebellious later on in life mm-hmm. or even in general, just because it like, it kind of like conditions you, it trains you to think like rebel or like my parents don't want yeah. the best for me or my parents don't let me do anything. And then that creates a wound. Like my parents don't love me or my parents don't want me to have fun or my parents won't let me do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Anyways, you want to jump to women? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, this is the this is the good stuff. This is the meat of the episode. Um, yeah. So, what he had to say about women again, I I feel like a lot of what he said was obvious, like stuff that we know. But again, the way he says it was just so good, and it helped me to really understand it and help it to click. So, um, he kind of talks about. Um, like three things that like a woman wants and like mm. three things that women like need. And so the first was, uh, he said, women yearned to be fought for. And I remember in that part, he talks about, they don't like want to be fought for. They yearn to be fought for. Like it's a deep desire in their heart that yeah. they want someone to fight for them. And it's like more than them wanting to be like noticed and like liked, like they want to be wanted, like deeply wanted. And so I thought of like, I've heard that before, but like I was thinking in context of, um, you know, with Connie, my, my fiance, and thinking, yeah. okay, like, in what ways does Connie want to be, like, noticed or, or deeply wanted or, or fought for? And I was just thinking, like, wow, like, some of our, like, biggest arguments and, like, disagreements come from the times when I don't, like, choose her or when I don't fight mm. for her or when I don't, like, be on her team, you know? That's, like, a common, like, When you don't source. stand up for her. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't, it's not that I don't, it's not that I don't want to. I just, at times, don't even, like, think about it, right? I'm just, like, yeah. living and, 
you know, it could be very like, small, simple ways that I don't like fight for her that it's important to her. And so like hearing him and like reading that, I was like, wow, like this is so, so true. Um, so that was his yeah. first point. Women want to be Can I just jump in really quick? Please do. Okay. This is a super silly example, but I feel like it illustrates it so well. Do you remember the office episode? Mm. I, I'm going to make so many office references it. in this podcast, but the office episode where, um, Andy and Dwight, like agree to duel over Angela yeah. and, uh, and then Oscar's yeah. like, oh, she like slightly, uh, she's like mentioned somehow that it's not the first one, mm-hmm. not, not the first, like duel that people have done over and then oscar's like angela what is wrong with you yeah but i just thought it was so funny like it really is like a natural inborn desire for women that they want to be fought for like it's how god designed women and men to interact for a second i thought you were gonna uh, reference meredith's comment about the camera meredith I don't remember it, but it's probably should. It's probably inappropriate. We should probably (laughs) say that. Okay. Okay. Anyway, point made. So that was number one. Point two. Um, you know, every woman wants an adventure to share. Yeah. And I don't have to really explain that. That's just kind of like obvious. But again, that was so true. Um, and then thirdly, you know, every woman wants wants to have beauty that they can unveil to um, Mm. a man or the man they choose to choose to be with. And again, I thought that was so true. Um, he also made another point that was different chapter but he said uh, women do not want a man who's hesitant and this mm. also spoke to me because i think that uh, i tend or i can be hesitant at times and especially when, I, when i'm if when i fall back into um, like a season of being fearful or, or anxious i become very like slow to make decisions i become very hesitant and like when he said that again i thought of contact with connie and thought like okay oh, she does not like it when i'm hesitant and yeah. But it it spoke to me like w- women deserve and need a need men that are gonna be confident in what they do and mm. lead them and um and yeah so that those things really spoke to me that was good yeah he has this other quote where he says uh, I don't know what the reference is but he says as Robert Bly laments in Iron John I don't know what this is, that is someone tell me if you do know but he says the quote is from some women want a passive man if they want a man at all the church wants a tamed man mm-hmm. they are called priests. The university wants a domesticated man. They are called tenure track people. The corporate corporation wants a sanitized, hairless, mm-hmm. shallow man. And I thought that was so true, you know, when we're talking about, especially in the context of women, women don't want a domesticated, tame, nice guy. You know what I mean? Like that, that I think that's why so many women fall for or want, you know, the bad boy, quote unquote, the guy who wears the leather jacket and rides the motorbike and the motorbike. Oh God, I just aged. Oh, I just sound like a dork. Yeah. The what's what that a street bike or what's a, no, what's a Harley called? <laughs> Motorcycle. Motor, God, <laughs> motorbike. What's wrong with me? Uh, that's anyways, so funny. that's why women want the bad boy because they want someone who is wild. They want someone who's adventurous. They want someone who's going to fight for them. Mm-hmm. They want someone who knows what they want. They want someone who's yeah. not hesitant. Um, but that's like the opposite extreme of like all the bad manifestations of those characteristics and those qualities. Mm-hmm. But we as Christian men and men in general have lost the good qualities of that too. Yeah. We've lost the good qualities of being adventurous of being of fighting and standing up for women or other people, the good qualities of knowing what you want and going after it and being ambitious. Um, but I think for women in general, you know, those three points, a woman yearns to be fought for like a plus absolutely true. And I think that that's 
um, you know, I, th- I think that even speaks to why, why women will choose men who aren't good for them necessarily, because at least that man is fighting for them. Mm-hmm. At least that man shows that they want them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and you know, they want, uh, they want someone to, uh, to adventure with. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's also sort of the stereotypical housewife who's bored with her husband and goes out and cheats with the, the, whoever it is. Um, because men need adventure in their life and they need adventure to share with a woman and women want men who are going to have an adventure to share with. Um, and also the beauty to unveil. Uh, I think that that's also a really cool point because, um, I think that this also gives a lot of context indirectly to why it's so incredibly important to save yourself from marriage sexually, Mm -hmm. um, to both be ideally to both be virgins, but especially, uh, just for each other in your relationship to not have any sexual history with each other because it's a beauty to unveil when you're married. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's yourself that you save for that person. And now you're unveiling that to them. Mm-hmm. And then they get to feel like I am for you. Here is all of me and all of my beauty for you. 100%. I, I agree. I think that's like what we most commonly like think, think of when we think of like that. Um, also I think, um, like emotionally and like yes. saving yeah. yourself emotionally, I think it's important too. It sounds kind of weird to say, but yeah, um, like you know, thinking like with the women, like they want to be fully known. So for Connie, it's really, really yeah. important to be fully known that I know her, and I know what she wants, I know that the things she likes, and just her natural tendencies. And um, you know, it's important that I just like know all of Connie, and so she, you know, she wants to give that to me, wants to unveil me. She wants all that she is to be mine physically. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. And <laughs> emotionally, you know, she um, wants that to be mine. And so I think that's super important of, you know, where you're at now, of, you know, be careful the things you share and hmm. how deep you go, you know, on, on the emotional side, not just physically, but, you know, with people that you're dating now, like how, you know, how, how well do they know you? How deep they, do they know? Um, do they know you? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I had another point I wanted to add. Um, yeah, go ahead. So this wasn't in, in either of our notes, but I was thinking of it as we were talking mm. was he also talks a lot in the book about like being being alone and getting out in nature. And I think that's mm. is, is an important yeah, yeah. for men just to um, like, especially being alone and having things quiet. I think to think yeah. and to process stuff. And if you can be in nature, I, th- I think that's a good point that we, we have so much noise and so much going on that mm. we neg- neglect that part of life. And, um, I think he talks about in the Bible, like how, you know, when the, when God speaks to people in the Bible, they're always it's alone always in the wilderness. and, um, yeah. and it's often like after long periods of time. Yeah. And the most common one that I think of is like Moses, when he went up the mm. mountain and spent 40 days, you know, fasting and seeking. Was seek, it 40 days? It was 40 days oh fasting gosh. and um, seeking the Lord. And, um, 40 days on a mountain, like. That's what? intense. Yeah. That's like, for real. I, I'm trying to think like. When's the longest that I went, like, without uh, my like phone? Three days? If that, yeah. yeah. And so it's like, that was so common that yeah. I think we forget about that. And so he, in the book, he draws us back to that. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up because I was thinking about it. I was, I was reading, but I forgot it. And so I'm glad you brought that up. But, um, I mean, I have that, that desire. Like, I love being out mm-hmm. in nature in the wilderness, like going to the mountains, going to the beach, like just being out in nature. But also, so I was thinking about my cousin, Michael, and I remember this conversation this conversation that we had a couple of years ago where it was like, he was obsessed with like just being out in the cabin and just like doing his own thing, 
and like just finding himself. And it's like, why are you so obsessed with like, you can do that here in your room? Mm-hmm. But actually, like maybe you can't, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, actually, I think that there is something special about going on. Where, like you think about Jesus. Um, there were certain times where he would go away up in the mountain, often in the middle of the night. He would just pray in the middle of nowhere for hours on end. And mm-hmm. that's what he would do. That's where he would go to be with God. Um, in the same way, like you said, Moses, I think Ezekiel is one of the, also like a really good example of that. Um, but I th- I just think that's so yeah. cool. Like, like that's sort of like a, I don't know, like a bonus from God. Like, Hey, you can meet me out in the wilderness. Yeah. Like how cool is that? So I've been thinking like, I'm probably like out in the world wilderness, maybe three times a year. Like I know, it it's not a lot. And so I, but I've been thinking like, how can I practice this? And so yeah. for my devotional time, for me, like I love like de- doing devotions on my patio and mm. doing it. Um, if I have a view, like a view to look at, I don't yeah, live yeah. in a place with a view, but just right. anywhere, you know, like trees or like the, the sunset, whatever it is, like the sunrise, I need some kind of like open air, like to look at. And so I've been practicing, yeah my devotional time actually being a lot of just like sitting and, th- and thinking like, it's like a lot of what I do now and mm-hmm. it's my devotional time. I'm not reading. I'm not really like hmm. even praying, just simply like thinking and being quiet just meditating, and being really. still. It's like so good for me. Just like, yeah. I love it. And I'll easily spend 15, 20, 30 minutes just sitting there and like observing, like feeling the wind and just, it sounds weird, but it, um, I th- the Lord speaks to me and I, and I feel like a closeness with him when I do that. Yeah. And I think, um, so kind of transition to the next point I wanted to make, but I think that there's uh, a wildness that we ignore and it sounds super like corny and talking about like wildness or like wilderness or like being adventurous because those are all kind of lame overused mm-hmm. words. But I think there is some truth there about maybe we're a little too domesticated. Maybe we're a little too tamed. Um, you know, like I think about myself, I'm not, a wild person. I'm actually like pretty chill and like pretty conservative. I'm not like the most excitable person. Like even at my most excited, I'm still like, I like my chill. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like you're chill. You know what I mean? But, um, but like, I want to be adventurous. I want to go do things. I want to go travel. I want to go take risks. Like it's literally a part of me that I can't ignore. Mm -hmm. And, and it's something that you think about, like, just all the different ways that um, that the world or that Satan is trying to tame you and domesticate you. It doesn't necessarily have to. I think that I'm just the point I'm trying to make is, is not necessarily just about nature. It's also in other areas of life. So thinking about like starting a new job, you know, th- the devil's always trying to domesticate you. Like, no, just stay where you are right now. It's safer there. Or just, you know, don't go change careers because because um, that's stupid or because you're going to look like a fool or, you know, don't start your own business, like, even though you really want to, mm-hmm. because that's dumb and you need to play it safe. You need to retire when you're 65. You know what I mean? Um, don't straight, you know, study to train to become X, Y, or Z. Don't get, you know, get married young and travel. Those are all adventurous things. Um, and they're good things. And I think if, if we let the culture and society's influence, us too much we can err to be on the too domesticated the too tamed side of things does that make sense yeah yeah um i don't know i i, I don't know i don't necessarily i don't know exactly how to best elaborate the idea of adventure especially not like he does maybe you just have to read the book and you'll you'll grasp it more mm-hmm. but the whole theme of adventure really stuck with me um and i'm not exactly sure how to like elaborate on it 
You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I know that it's important and I know that it's a part of who you are as a man and how God designed you to be, but it, it just manifests. Maybe it just manifests in so many different ways that I'm not exactly sure how to pinpoint it. Yeah. But it's definitely a, a great point That's of the good. book. Yeah. Like adventure is there and it's a part of your nature and life as a man. Mm-hmm. That's funny. So for me, I didn't, that was good. I didn't feel like adventure really like sat with me. I think the mm. part that rested in me the most was probably when he talks about, um, cause he does talk about like, yes, being like a like untamed, like strong man, but he also talks about yeah. like the soft side of like a man that loves well and mm. that loves hard. Right, 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 right. That right. to me spoke the most, mm. I think. Okay. Um being a man that loves well. Yeah. Yeah. Well again, it's kind of that like dichotomy. The two things working together. Mm-hmm. You have like the adventure, kind of wild, the man who fights for for the woman, the man who stands there for what's right, the man who's, you know, adventurous and risky. But then it's also like the tender hearted. And again, that's what what women want too. They want the man who can listen to them and who can understand them and who can read their minds sometimes. And Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that part isn't meant to be a part of man's nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a good point that, that they're, that they're both there. They need to both be there. Um, oh yeah. I mean, sort of on that point, maybe I should have mentioned this earlier, but he also has this quote where he says, emasculation and emasculation being like, the diminishing of your masculinity emasculation happens in marriage as well. Women are often attracted to a wilder side of a man, but once having caught him, they settle down to the task of domesticating him. Ironically, if he gives in, he'll resent her for it. And she in turn will wonder where the passion has gone. But I just thought that was interesting because you think of the stereotypical kind of life in the suburbs, settling down kind of cliches. And, um, and I don't know, it, it just sort of, it was interesting to me that that emasculation, right? If a woman is trying to domesticate a man too much and like, it was sort of along the line, same lines of like, if your father is telling you no too much or your parents are just not letting you scrape mm-hmm. your knee or go adventure, you end up resenting them. But it was the same thing with a woman in a relationship. You have to have a healthy balance of adventure i'm going to go out and be with my friends i'm going to go out and go on this trip i'm going to go and explore this new business idea and you also have to balance that with um hey i'm going to be here for you you know i'm always going to be here i want to provide for you and be here emotionally for you we're going to be able to live in a house and have a steady mm-hmm. you know life for our kids yeah yeah you know one thing he talks about in the book is being fully alive and mm. The second half of one of the quotes he has says, all men die, but few men ever really live. Mm. Man, and that one hit me yeah, really me hard. Yeah, me too. I was like, Phew, That fire. one's heavy. Fire. John Eldridge spitting fire. <laughs> um, yeah, so maybe, to, maybe to, uh, to finish up here, you know, he talks about, so we talked about the, the nature of man, how men, how men naturally re- reflect God, uh, and then the second part where it's kind of about the wound and, and the healing um, but the third part is kind of getting back to the core desires of a man's heart. And so again, he talks about the, those three core ideas of, um, the battle, the adventure and the beauty. Um, and so it's just these three ideas of every man wants a battle to fight. So that there's a, it's either like a cause or it's a woman or it's, um, something that they're passionate about, you know, some sort of, uh, movement or, thing that they're trying to push forward that every man kind of needs something to get behind and to push forward and he talks about like most most men don't have that yeah, yeah 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 and it's and it's a a loss for them it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a a bad thing for them 
Um, and then the second desire being an adventure to live, uh, you know, just having sort of a, an appreciation for nature and exploration and conquering things and going and exploring, um, you know, and, and he talks back to those people like Abraham and Jacob and Moses and David, um, and when God called them in the wilderness. And then that third desire for the beauty to rescue, um, and in no way is he an advocate for sort of that like male superiority complex misogynist kind of male where they're putting women down. But he also talks about the healthy, um, the healthy wildness of a man in relation to a woman where he's fighting for the woman mm-hmm. and he's, he's meeting her needs emotionally also. Um, you know, but it's also the, just the idea of like, don't become too domesticated. Don't, like you can still, you can still be with, with a woman and, and rescue the beauty and have adventure in your life um, and to enjoy it and to not miss out on it. Um, and so, yeah, anyways, it's really good. You should go read the book if you haven't already. Um, I think we'll manage to put a link to it in the show notes or somewhere in the podcast if you look for it hard enough. I'm sure you'll find it. Um, but read it. It's John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart. Mm-hmm. Jerry, you want to close this out? Yeah, I'll pray. Let's close. Cool. <laughs> does not joke but i'm not gonna pray okay um yeah so if you like this podcast give us a rating um preferably five stars actually six stars only only six stars yes only six stars like a boys at drift shout out to uncle dg and uncle dc Corey's fan being a fanboy right now yeah i met you guys you guys are cool all right um (laughs) so yeah uh give us um a rating and then if you like us please subscribe also check us out on cultivateandkeep.com and I did want to make another comment. If there are any books you want to hear us discuss, um, yes, you let us know. That's a great and, idea. Um, I think this is one thing that we're going to want to do more of, you know, discussing books that we read because mm-hmm. there is great wealth of knowledge in books. Yeah. And, and if you want to make a suggestion, you can email yeah. us at cultivateandkeep.com mm-hmm. or you can find us on social media, preferably Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, one of those. Um, you can find us on there uh, via the website or via the social media channels. Um, personal profiles, whatever it is that you want to find us. Yeah, go follow my personal. I need more more uh, likes and follows and all that good stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. What are you at right now? I have no idea. I honestly don't care at all. Yeah, I have no idea either. <laughs> I should care more. I think I probably have like 10,000 Facebook friends. Wow. I don't know time. if that really matters though. I think I follow about five of them. You know, you can unfollow people. Yeah, Corey's big on not... Uh, he like enjoys unfollowing Dude, people. Dude, I love it. Do you follow me? Yeah, of course okay, I do. Just making sure. Yeah. Okay. Do you follow Monique? <laughs> yes, of course I do. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Well, thanks. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love.